0: and welcome to let's talk period the podcast for people who want all things real raw and reputable while we smash taboos and break down stigmas i'm your host isabella gosling and welcome back for season two or if you're new welcome and hello we really hope you enjoy season two of let's talk period what better way to start the season than with the effervescent bridget husweight You might know Bridget from her incredibly popular show, Good Nights on Triple J or through her Instagram account, Endogram. Bridget was diagnosed with endo in 2018, following a 12-year journey to diagnosis. Following this, in 2019, she launched Endogram and with over 26,000 followers at time of recording, Bridget has cultivated a community from her honesty and vulnerability, sharing about her experiences with endometriosis. It was from this that Bridget started her newest project, a book, How to Endo, a guide to surviving and thriving with endometriosis. How to Endo blends Bridget's own personal experiences with endo, as well as tips and strategies from Australian health experts. In this chat, we talk on all things how to endo, including how it came about, what the experience of writing was like, the hardest chapter to write, and what she hopes people gain from how to endo, her very long, tumultuous journey towards getting that endo diagnosis in 2018, what led her to start Endogram, and around the feelings of guilt about her endo and how she manages this. As well as how Bridge manages her career whilst having endo and her top tips for doing so, Bridge also talks on her advice for navigating relationships when you have endo. Here's Bridget. Bridget, welcome to Let's Talk Period. I am absolutely stoked to be chatting with you today. Hello, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be on the podcast, season two. (laughs) Woohoo, and you're kicking season two off for us, so it's like even more exciting. (laughs) it's so cool yeah I'm really excited to be on. Now the way we start our podcast is the same for all of our lovely guests and we ask them what they've done to nourish their body today so can you share with the listeners what you've done to nourish your body today? Oh I
1: had a bit of a sleep in I don't know (laughs) if that
0: counts. It definitely counts.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I needed to catch up on a bit of sleep and Um, what else? I mean, it's been a pretty slow morning, but I had uh, a really nice herbal tea that I'm taking in the lead up to my period, um, to try and help with the cramping there. So probably yeah, sleeping and tea is how I define nourishing my body this morning.
0: (laughs) That sounds like me on most days, love sleep (laughs) and love tea. So sounds good to me. Yeah. (laughs) Now, the next thing we often talk about is having a toolkit of therapies or strategies or things in general that help us to manage our health, especially when we have a chronic condition. Um, Is there something that you would recommend to the listeners that they should add to their toolkits or could look into adding to their toolkits?
1: Yeah. I mean, I feel like there's so many things that you could, I feel like your toolkit is like a Mary Poppins bag and it's just never ending. <laughs> like you could fit. it just gets so, bigger and bigger. Yeah. You could fit so much in there. Um, I think one of the first things that I thought of was um, stretches. I, I always refer to the pelvic stretches from the pelvic pain foundation of Australia, their website um they have a bunch of uh, stretches that they recommend you do and i've tried most mornings to do them or whenever i do feel i just need to like take a moment to myself have a bit of a reset and i think it's obviously got you know big physical benefits of doing so and helping with your pelvic floor but something about it mentally really helps me just having that moment or you know to have to yourself and um, yeah, you do feel a bit more relaxed after it as well. So it's a small thing, but I think it could make a really big difference in someone's day. So, um, yeah, those pelvic stretches would be in my Mary Poppins toolkit.
0: <laughs> I love that. Um, and the benefits of stretching is so underrated because it is sort of like that mindfulness aspect to it because you're focusing on the breathing, you're focusing on doing the stretch and you don't really have much space in your head for anything else And then you're also getting that relief of, you know, really releasing and stretching that muscle. So it's, you know, full of amazing benefits. Totally. Very underrated. So highly recommend everyone get around that. And it's free as well, which is like a bonus for people with endo or adeno or PCOS. (laughs)
1: Absolutely. Take what we can get.
0: That's it. <laughs> now, you briefly touched on um, using that tea that sort of is helping you with your cramping. And we know you've got your Instagram account, Endogram. I'd love to chat a little bit about how you realised what you were experiencing wasn't normal and what made you think enough is enough. I need help to manage this. This isn't normal.
1: Yeah, so I guess my my first kind of red flags Uh, I guess in a literal sense because it was (laughs) my period. Um, I first got my period, I got my period for the first time in year seven in the very first week of high school, which was a pretty full-on week. That's traumatic. I know. It was like everything's happening, like (laughs) high school, new friends. I'm like growing up, you know, socially. I'm growing up physically. Um, And it was fine for the first two years I guess but then it just got heavier it got more painful I would yeah feel really sick and crampy and um, I think it was more so the flow at that time like the amount of leakages that I had and you know the paranoia of it, you know going through to my school dress and constantly wrapping my jumper around my um around my waist and You know, sneaking pads up my sleeve so no one could see because I was embarrassed. Um, It was, yeah, year nine and 10 where it just got to this point where it wasn't right. And, you know, I grew up, I I have two sisters, um, and my mum noticed that I had worse periods than them and she was concerned about that. So, We went to the doctor and it was a really uneventful consultation because she didn't mention anything about endo, like I didn't even know it existed and I was just told to go on the pill. It was like, you know, it's time for you to try the pill. You're at that age and if you have you know, inconvenient periods. Um, this allows you to skip it and it should help with the pain. And, you know, at the time I was like, oh, sick, like yes to skipping my period. Like, I'll have this magic you know. pill, sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like what's the worst that could happen? Um, so I went on it and yes, it was very convenient and great to skip periods, but it didn't do anything for my symptoms. You know, I still felt really sick around those days where I knew that I would, would have been bleeding otherwise. And I I tried a few different types, but then my body just didn't like taking it. Like I didn't like how I felt. Um, I I put on weight and I I didn't, luckily I didn't have uh, really extreme side effects in, you know, like I didn't have terrible breakouts or anything like that but it, it just wasn't something that I wanted to do long term I just didn't think it was sustainable and with the pain continuing like I always felt like there was something else and something else needed further investigation so I mean that was the first time that I, I did see a doctor about my pain um, but again I didn't even know endo experience was, you know, I, I didn't know it existed because we I, we weren't taught about it in high mm, school. Exactly. Like, which is baffling, um, really concerning. Um,
0: so, yeah, that was the first time, I guess. Oh, what a you know, non-eventful yet eventful experience to go through. From Mm. there, what was it like to actually get that endo diagnosis? How did you navigate that space? It was very long um, because I kind of, I,
1: I don't know, I feel like I went just years just dealing with it and accepting that's just what is happening. And, you know, there would be times where I would question you know, maybe I'm just like weak or maybe I'm not handling it as well as my friends with their period. Maybe we're all dealing with this pain and I'm just, you know, I need to suck it up a bit. So there were, there were definitely periods where I just dealt with it and didn't bother exploring any other options. And I would try and forget about it and just want to, you know, live my adolescence and en- enjoy that time. But then there were other moments, more so outside of high school, where I was like, you know, this is this is getting a bit wild. Now um, I'm getting older; it's not improving. In fact, it's getting worse. I remember around uh, 2013, 2014, the period pain would get really bad. And also, I think what um, what I noticed as well, like when I started being sexually active, like that was painful. And I started getting these random horrible cramps and stabbing pain in my abdomen which was terrifying that happened when i first moved to melbourne in 2011 and i had to get an ambulance to the hospital and no one knew what it was um you and i had thing. a yeah i had a um uh, what's the one down your esophagus uh, endoscopy yeah, the, the, the endoscopy. camera down there yeah so i had i had that in 2015 and they couldn't find anything with that Um, I went and saw a bulk billing doctor when I was working as a travel agent and I was earning, you know, a very low income. Um, And that doctor was good and was like, you know, I can give you a referral to see a gynecologist, but I couldn't afford it, um, which was a really difficult thing. And then a few years later, so if we fast forward to 2017, I was back in my hometown of Ballarat and Um, Yeah, I was about to go overseas and I needed to get a pap smear and I was talking more about endo with one of my friends who I was working in retail with. She was the first person I ever had a conversation with about endo um and it just sounded like i was ticking all the boxes you know like it sounded like i had this thing oh thank and you I for s- your
0: friend like <laughs> yeah
1: yeah thank you haley um but at the at that time though we still didn't have in depth discussion because it was i don't know if well I, I i assume it was because we still felt this kind of stigma or mm. taboo, you know surrounding the topic and Um, she may have not felt entirely comfortable and, or I may have not even felt entirely comfortable because I didn't fully understand it. And, you know, when someone does talk to you about their condition, you don't want to be too nosy and poke, 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 because you don't know if they're feeling uncomfortable. Um, so that was a tricky thing to navigate. Um, and then, yeah, I, I hit up this like Facebook group of, you know, girls in Ballarat, And I was recommended to see this female GP um, and I was really looking forward to it, but it was terrible. She was, um, she just shut me down straight away. And, you know, she, I, she couldn't even look at me when I was listing my symptoms and what I was experiencing. And and she said, you don't have endo. Others have it worse than you. And this was without, you know, uh, she didn't even do I don't know if she could have, but like she didn't test any. She didn't do like a a manual examination. She didn't refer me for an ultrasound. Um, I asked to be referred to a gynecologist and she was really hesitant and she kept repeating that she didn't think that I needed to see one. Um, But then she gave me the referral uh, and told me we would, book in the pap smear another time, even mm-hmm. though I was like going overseas in a few days. And I was like, no, I like specifically booked this appointment for these two things. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was just, you know, feeling really um, small. I was feeling really little. So mm-hmm. I just nodded my head and, and got
0: out and then sat in my car and was just like, oh. And <laughs> unfortunately, I think so many of us have that experience of walking out of a doctor's room and just feeling so small and feeling dismissed. And then you question yourself even more. You're like, oh, is this actually not as bad? Should I even be pursuing this?
1: Yeah, it just it really goes back into those insecurities and fears of, you know, people either thinking you're making it up or, yeah, you starting to question whether it is actually all in your head or if you're weak and you can't handle it. Um, so it was really it was awful and um it was such a, you know, that experience I don't think I'll ever forget. And um again, I just I left it. I didn't I didn't follow through, even though I had a referral and I was able to afford uh the consultation to see the gynecologist. I I didn't follow through out of fear that this person, you know, this gyno would have got like a heads up from the doctor that like you know, I could be trouble or I could be difficult or i'm I'm imagining things and and that's she just doesn't such an
0: actually have anything going on.
1: <laughs> yeah, you know, she's just you know, she's just carrying on. but that's uh, I think it's just so awful that I was so convinced that is what was going to happen and that I was made to feel like that um when these people should be working for you and trying to find answers and you know when I think of that experience I think I remember I see this um I saw this meme uh it was like a a screenshot from like a Grey's Anatomy scene or something and it's like on TV you know you go in with this unknown illness and the doctors will do everything in their power like they'll spend two episodes trying to figure out what is wrong with this person this mystery illness that is not reality you know we are just like palmed off and they're like sorry
0: Um, Hard basket. Eh.
1: Yeah. And I I just I think of that somehow when I think of this experience. So um, but then the following year I moved to Sydney for work and I decided to just get on top of it again, have another go. Um, in a new city, no one could like pass on any details about me, right? No one knows Um, your
0: infamous story, (laughs) (laughs)
1: like yeah, from Ballarat to Sydney, like (laughs) um, and Yeah. I just, I Googled like a women's health GP and uh, ended up finding a really amazing doctor who was really concerned. She was like, how long have you been dealing with this pain? And I was like, you know, over a decade, like, and she was like, and you haven't seen anyone about it. And, you know, I said, I tried. And then there was also like financial limitations. Um, But that's why I'm here now to just try and get on top of it. So, yeah, she referred me straight away. And she also said, like, I definitely think you have endo or something chronic. Um, so we definitely need to, like, it's just gone on for too long. And, and that was just such a validating experience. And I sent her an email a few months ago, because she now lives in Hong Kong. She doesn't work at the clinic anymore. I'm not even sure if she still practices, but she lives overseas. And um I sent her an email and you know I just said like I know you you probably don't even remember me like I was probably just part of a really busy day for you but you were the first person who really listened and acknowledged what I was feeling and believed me and but then again like should we even have to reach
0: out and be like, thank you so much? Because isn't that their The bar set so low that when someone yeah. actually does listen to you, you have like a freak out and you're like, oh, my God, that was an amazing experience. But that's just what the typical experience should be.
1: Yeah, the bar is so low, like dangerously low. Um, yeah, so that's that's when I got my, uh, referral to a gynecologist in Sydney who booked me in for surgery. Um, and they found, yeah, extensive endo stage four spread, spread around a lot of places. I, the surgeon even said, if you'd left it any longer, we would have to take out some of your bowel, which was terrifying for me. <laughs> you know, I was 27. Yeah. 27 when that happens. And You know, when he mentioned bowel, I just thought, like, I I don't know, I instantly thought of my nan who had bowel cancer. Like, you think of bowel, you think of, like, an elderly person. Definitely, yeah. You
0: know? Um, Not 27-year-old you sitting in the doctor's office, for sure. No,
1: and who looks otherwise like a really healthy person. Um, But that's because it's just been doing its thing internally for so
0: long. (laughs) And so you've had that surgery and you get that validation. What's that like? Is it a positive time? Is it a bittersweet time? What's it like?
1: It's definitely mixed. It was more. I like. I was feeling really positive, probably too positive about it, because I was just so so ecstatic that I had a confirmation of my pain. There was a reason behind it, um, and that it wasn't something that I was just you know imagining. Um, so it was so validating and relieving and kind of empowering as well I guess in a way Um, and I was just really excited and I was excited to know what I had and then how I could you know deal with it moving forward but then I found the recovery to be really hard and because I was living in Sydney um, I was just in a share house with people who I you know met through a a housemate group on like Facebook, <laughs> um, that that year was a pretty isolating year for me. And to deal with this a new diagnosis, and then also deal with the recovery by myself. Um, you know, I'm usually like, I'm a pretty independent person. And that just kind of tested that, I suppose. Mm. But it was still really hard. And then, I guess, the more I spoke about my experience the more I connected with people and then the more I learned about endo and then I was like, oh, this is actually really serious <laughs> and um and chronic. Like this isn't a, a surgery, you know, a simple surgery fix because you have, you know, symptoms and pain that just don't go away with the disease. Like it's years of your body building up these responses. And these defense mechanisms that can in turn cause more pain and tension. Um, and I just, I just, I don't know. I, I, I still am quite um, taken aback by how naive I was, I suppose. And just how, you know, I went into the whole process that year and going into surgery. I didn't do any extra research or you know, any additional reading to the one pamphlet that I was handed about a laparoscopy um, because I just I just assumed that they would do everything that they needed to do to look after me, I guess. And then, yeah, I, like I created Endogram. So that was 2019, a year after my surgery and, you um, just hearing about more and more people's experiences and the pain that they were dealing, then realising that I had so many symptoms growing up that I wasn't even aware of connecting the dots. Um, And then also the realisation of like (laughs) ablation and excision and the importance of like seeing someone who really specialises in in endo. And I was like so (laughs) shocked. Yeah. I was like, jaw to the ground, like, oh my God, like there is so little that I did in preparation. And like, there was a lot of self blame, but you know, you, you, you trust what is being done is the right thing and the best, the best thing for your body. And like, I was lucky in that I did have excision the first time. Like it could have been that I went in and, you know, had ablation, but I didn't even know the difference, but I did have excision, except it was um, it was like a bunch of uh, you know training uh, excision surgeons, I suppose. So the the main gynecologist who, uh, yeah, he like supervised them, you know. Um, so they they did excision, but they didn't get all of the yeah. disease is what was found in my second surgery that I had last year so I also had the Mirena put popped in and um you know I was really hesitant to get that because of my experience with the pill and just you know I, I, I don't really personally like taking um you know hormonal kind mm. of stuff um but the the Mirena just caused me so many issues I was having flare-ups nearly daily at random times and um it was more flare-ups than what I ever experienced before my diagnosis and it was um just getting to the point where I couldn't even do much socially or go away much um it was really hard to plan and yeah I got that taken out in my second surgery last year um it was found sideways so it wasn't wasn't really having um a fun time in there maybe it yeah. was trying to get itself out
0: like it had enough to it was like yeah no I'm out <laughs> yeah like the feelings mutual like <laughs> it, it wanted
1: to end things I wanted to end things <laughs> like consciously
0: uncoupling yeah oh <laughs> uh, and that sort of leads into my next question really nicely actually do you ever feel guilt around your endo? Like you touched on not being able to plan things for that time period with the Myrena, um, missing events or having to leave early or, you know, not having that energy or experiencing fatigue. Do you ever feel that guilt?
1: Yes. And I, it's something that I try, um, you know, I, I'm working on it, but I still feel it now. And, you know, I, especially, I talk about it so much and being like, you know, the things that I share in Endogram, like uh, validating post being like, it's not your fault, rah, rah. like I try really hard to kind of spread that message, but it's still something that I personally have a hard time with too. I think it's really hard for me in my situation with the job that I have, which is, you know, it's a, a public facing role and people listen to me and I'm quite Uh, perky and outgoing and you know outside of radio like I'll do gigs like emceeing festivals and you know seem like a really outgoing person which I am to an extent but it's really tiring too you know like I love doing all that stuff but it it takes so much energy and I, I do find myself needing those days where I just have to have an entire day to myself and not get out of bed until one o'clock because I'm like recharging. Like I'm a physical, you know, walking, talking battery and I'm on low power mode and I need to like build the bars back up.
0: Leveling up, getting back yeah. up.
1: <laughs> big time, big time. And I think that's, I, I get really paranoid or self-conscious that people, um, I, I, like my close friends understand, but I still get paranoid that people look at me being like, it's so weird, you know? She's so like vocal and like out there, but then like she can't come to this thing or whatever and it's, you know, it's just trying to balance these things and, you know, work is work, but um just because I can front up with a smile and sound happy doesn't mean I'm feeling great inside and I like I think I do a really good job like almost sometimes just having a poker face, you know, and and, and masking that exhaustion and, and masking the pain. Um, but I do still get really worried that people think that I'm just too cool or, like, I don't want to do things anymore. But it's like I want to do things, but, I like, I just don't have the energy that I used to have. And mm. um, my sometimes I'm, you know, I could be fine one day and not fine the next day or I could be fine one hour and then not fine the next it's it's such a um you know it changes it's ever changing it's inconsistent and it can be really hard trying to explain that to people
0: yeah it just fluctuates so much and especially with it still being you know an invisible illness and people don't understand when you do front up and you look fine um I'm gonna get on the meme train as well and it reminds me (laughs) of the meme um you know, you're not faking being sick, you're faking being well, like that poker face for sure. And so many people with a chronic illness do it on the daily.
1: Yeah, it, it's so true though, that you, you do spend more of your time pretending to be okay instead of, you know, but like everyone thinks, you, yeah, you're making it up or whatever. It's like, I'm like, I don't have the energy to to make that up <laughs>
0: like, for sure You're like I'm tired enough I don't have any extra energy for like drama okay
1: <laughs> yeah for real it's 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 really it's a really hard thing to um to deal with it's probably one of the most difficult things when it does come to chronic illness because some people just don't get it
0: and I think, you know, conversations like this, spreading that awareness can hopefully help to open people's eyes and create that space for that learning and hopefully some more kindness towards our chronic illness community.
1: Yeah, kindness and, and empathy, you know, and that's the thing. Like I think some people... Um, think that we're asking for sympathy and it's like I literally do not want you to feel sorry for me I just want you to say okay you know let me know if you need anything and just accept it you know that's I don't I don't need people being like I'm so sorry um for what you're going through I just need you to you know kind of understand um and believe me when I say that like I just really I can't I'm not up to doing this
0: right now I can't do it can we do it another time you know I'm like let's not take it personally, you know, I'm really coming from a place of kindness to myself. Um, mm. If you're saying yes to something else, you're saying no to yourself and when you're chronically ill, you really do need to recharge that battery.
1: <laughs> yeah, for sure, for sure. That's a really good way of looking at it too when you do say yes to someone, you are saying no to yourself. Like I haven't actually looked at it from that perspective but that's I think that's a really good way of yeah angling
0: it and you touched on your career just briefly and we know you know you do an absolutely incredible job with good nights I'm a massive fan (laughs) so thanks (laughs) um how do you manage your career and endo and what are your top tips for managing endo in the workplace
1: um it's it is hard and Oh, gosh, it's, it, it is it is hard because, um, you know, when you do have a role where people like know who you are, you don't want to let people down. But I think what I came to realise and why I started being so vocal about my endo is because it's such a consuming part of my life and I just couldn't continue Carrying on, you know, on those pain days, being like in the studio with like a heat bag and like being hunched over the microphone, I couldn't continue pretending that everything was okay. Um, And I really needed to have that transparency with like my audience and the people that follow me because, yeah, there's just some days where it's so hard to do. And I like the, I get kind of triggered thinking about it now, but after my second surgery last year, um, the recovery was just so much longer than the first time around it was a better outcome like I feel great mm. now um, but that recovery was really difficult and I kept comparing it to my first one where I only had like two weeks off work and the second one I needed an entire month of work and you know I, I work in radio and people don't see me and I get to just sit down which is and I can wear whatever I want like I can rock up basically in pyjamas (laughs) and like um and it's funny like you walk into an ABC building and you see like people in suits or people who are doing TV and they've got their makeup on and then you can look at me and be like she definitely works at Triple J like look at her (laughs) you know just like this ratty young person in like her tracksuit pants and her Birkin socks with socks (laughs) like the sandal sock combo. (laughs) It's a classic. Uh, yeah, you just got to do what you got to do. And uh, and I'm, I'm lucky in that sense that radio isn't physically demanding, but it really was after surgery. And I was pushing through my first shift. Like I wanted to get back after three weeks off and I, I got back um, and I knew that I was in trouble when I walked to my studio and I couldn't open the heavy soundproof door. And I was like, oh, my God. I can't even open the door into the studio. Like, how am I going to get through this night? And, you know, people were really awesome on the text line. They are excited to hear me back. I was really excited to be back at work because I just wanted that routine again. I wanted to have my normal um, again, even though I knew I didn't feel 100% ready to be back. I thought maybe, you know, I could jump on it, finish the shift, and I actually would feel a bit better because my body is getting back into that routine Um, but it was just horrific it was so painful and it was a Monday night um, and we play an hour of live music in the in the last part of the show which I was really looking forward to because Mondays were cruisy so that was a good day to come back and ease into it but the minute you know it hit eight o'clock and I pressed play on this set I just was bawling my eyes out and in so much pain and I had to like hobble to the microwave to heat my heat bag. And, um, you know, I like I messaged my bosses and was like, I think I need to have the rest of the week off and I just felt so guilty. But what I did do, I was crying and I was like, I'm just going to film this. I'm going to put it on endogram because that's my safe space and I feel really comfortable sharing anything on there. Um, So I did that. And then I was like, I'm going to share this video on my personal account too, because it's actually like, I just need people to see where I'm at right now, because it is it is really hard um, being in like, yeah, this public kind of role where you, you I don't know, it's not that you bottle in your pain, but sometimes you do feel like you're putting on a front at times. And especially on your Instagram, it's like a friggin' highlight reel. Yeah. <laughs> it's really bad. Like it's pretty, it's not healthy. Um, but putting that out there was just such a relief for me to just have that transparency and people were so supportive and they got it. And now I can, you know, I could rock up into my shift. I could turn my mic on and be like, Hey, like, what's up? Tell you what, I'm not feeling great, but like, can you lift me up? Tell me your favorite new songs, and like, I just say it on air now, like it's normal. Like, hey, I've got my pain, you know, but I'm I wanted to come in or whatever, um, and people are really responsive and and supportive of that, and I think that really helps with just normalizing the conversation. Like, I remember when um I was on Hack in 2018 after my diagnosis, and I had this girl message me. And she's a tradie and she works in a workshop just full of guys and they were listening to Hack and the segment came on about my endo diagnosis and she messaged me and was like, we all stopped and like started listening and then that allowed me to create this dialogue where I, and I could say, oh, hey, guys, like that's what I've been dealing with and that's why I've had to take days off to go to hospital and they were like, oh, okay. Um, and even like in the car, the other night my partner went and had drinks with a guy he plays music with around the corner <laughs> and these two guys were like you know we didn't know any they're so cute they're like they they can't pronounce endometriosis they're like <laughs> lots of people we- can't <laughs> yeah and they're like you know like we didn't even know what endometriosis was until <laughs> bridge was talking about it but like now we know and it's like you know, prompting these conversations between these guys who have never, you know, known how to deal with it or pronounce it. (laughs) Um, And, yeah, I think I have to kind of set that example where I have to be honest through my experience in the workplace to help others. And I think there's like a section in my book that's just about working with endo and how you can go about having the conversation with your employer um resources that you can turn to to help in in navigating that I know Quendo have done like two blog posts on on yeah we have yeah yeah which is a a really great resource and I, I think that's something that like helped me shape that chapter as well and um Yeah, I think I've got, like, I've actually answered this question in a really
0: long way. And have I gone off track? (laughs) No, not at all. I think it's really important. And those moments of vulnerability where you do share those videos or you show up on um, radio and say, hey, guys, I'm not feeling amazing, but I'm here. I'm in it with you. Send me the love. Send me what you're listening to. Um, They really do create that space to open those conversations and normalize it. So I think you know, again, it comes back to starting that conversation to get more awareness, which will lead into that workplace understanding as well. Yeah, it's just,
1: the the only way, you know, action happens and things change is, is by, you know, conversations. Conversations lead to making change um, and stuff. So, it, it can be really uncomfortable sometimes, but you you have to like you owe it to yourself to be but you're honest and I I know it's really hard with something like endo too because um it it is like an intimate thing as well um and it can be uncomfortable to talk about but I think we need to just somehow work on um I don't know like just making it not I don't want to say we don't need to make it feel intimate anymore but like it's like a whole body thing it's a whole Mm. life thing now and like you do owe it to yourself to talk about it um so you can get like the best outcome it's yeah
0: yeah and you know the heavy periods and bleeding is one aspect of it but you know like you just said it is that whole body disease we found out i think it was last week that it's now been found in every organ of the body so it's not just that intimate condition that affects that uterus area that pelvic area um, it can literally affect any part of your body. So we need to start treating it like that whole body disease and give it the space it deserves. Yeah, absolutely. The next question is all about relationships. And I know <laughs> you briefly touched on, you know, your experience of pelvic pain during sex. And I know that's something a lot of people experience, but they don't speak about it because of the taboo, Um mm that's still so prevalent, what advice do you have for people trying to navigate those romantic relationships when they have endo or I don't know? Um,
1: again, easier said than done talking about it. But I think if you're just not at the point where you feel comfortable talking to, you know, those around you, whether it be someone that you've just started seeing or maybe you don't feel ready to talk to your partner about it. I think you should book in and go see a sexologist because it's, you know, it's just like uh, seeing any other medical professional, um, someone who you can talk to confidentially, who is going to listen without any bias or judgment, who's just there um, as a listening board for you to say whatever it is that you need to say. Um, I got Chantal Otten, who's a Melbourne-based sexologist,
0: Um She's Yeah. And she's really good. Oh, She was on season one, wasn't she? Yeah, she was. Her and Dora came on the podcast and we had an amazing chat all about navigating painful sex. So that was great.
1: Yeah. And so Dora's her pelvic physio, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's fantastic. Like that there is a place or like, you know, someone like Chantel has already got a pelvic physio on board to help with the, the other aspect of it, which is like you know, the physiological, mm. you know, side of all of your pelvic floor, whatever's going on in there. Um, but I think a sexologist would be a really good step for anyone, like a, a good first step because it's just a, a safe professional environment and I think you would leave feeling really empowered. Like I I haven't seen one personally myself because I don't think I need to at this point. Like I feel comfortable talking to my partner about it. Um, and through my own research and whatnot. But um, I think if anyone's struggling with where to start, that would be such a worthy thing to do. And, yeah, you would feel so empowered um, and get more clarity about how to deal with it. Um, And, you know, like sexologists, like they're there even if you don't have a partner. Like if you want to navigate casual sex Mm -hmm. and um, you know things that no strings attached like they're there for that as well like it, you don't have to be in a relationship you can go by yourself or if you just want to do your own yeah you, know, you want have yeah if you want to have sex with yourself like they are there to equip you with all the tools and knowledge that you need for any part of your um, life like where you are in your life in terms of intimacy and sex so
0: I think that would be my my top recommendation, definitely. And I know you do touch about sex in the book. As you said, you've got Chantelle on board for that. So, you know, that's a really good tool to refer to as well.
1: Mm, yeah, it's just um, it's such an important part of this multidisciplinary uh, aspect of managing Endo, and it's something, you know, it's something that I didn't know about until later on, even mental health. Like I didn't, it wasn't until 2019 that I even connected the dots there with like how a psychologist could be beneficial in, you know, adding to your team of people to help you through this condition. It's just, it, yeah, you need to literally cover everything like mind, body, sex, sex. Um, a massive
0: Mary Poppins bag full of people <laughs> and tools yes. to help you
1: hack them in. <laughs> yeah,
0: fill that bag. Now, yeah. I want to talk about how to endo because we've, you know, sort of breadcrumbed our way through the chat without really like speaking <laughs> on it. How did it come about? How did it go from, you know, running Endogram to writing a book?
1: Yeah, well, I I honestly think I owe it to Endogram and just creating like this really great community and this support network for myself and also making connections with people um, that I wouldn't have made otherwise if I didn't start the page. So, you know, Endogram started in 2019 and just kept building and building um, and then it, it kind of just got to the point where, you know, like Instagram's been amazing for sharing the info and stuff, but you you kind of need to go beyond that. And it was just, you know, this book is almost like an extended version of Endogram. Um, so I also found, you know, I was reading a lot of books myself. Beating Endo has been a real game changer for me. Um, and I, I love that book. It's been so informative. But I feel like there's just been a kind of void or, gap in the market if you want to get fancy (laughs) when it comes to you know books that are informative but they have this balance of personal experience and patient perspective and bringing that info um, all the medical jargon and you know all of the stuff that you really need to know kind of conveying it in a way that's accessible easy to follow relatable and fun like I well I don't want to say fun but like you know I want to yeah and just not in a way that you feel like you are reading straight from like you're in like a lecture or whatever like it's I want it to be like you were talking to your friend and you were learning together like you were figuring it out together and you're both going to chat with these people who specialize in diet and complementary therapies and um you know and sex and and whatnot and you get to go through it together so that's kind of how the concept of the book came to be um how to endo like it's it sounds like it and it is posed as a guide but it's not a a be all end all and the reason why like, the title How to Endo just stuck with me um, for so long because I just keep liking it to, um, how you know, how to adult. Like, yeah. who knows how to adult? Like, we have
0: no idea what we're doing, <laughs> you and know. I'm it's- just making it up as they go along.
1: <laughs> yeah, like, I'm turning 30 next month and I'm like, I feel like I'm still 18. <laughs> like, yeah. I still don't know how to do so many things um and and that's what I kind of to you like I wanted to play on those words and and just make it yeah just so relatable in that sense in that like this is such a complicated condition um but let's try and make sense of it together and this is a really good building block and starting point for us to do that um so yeah that's kind of how it came to be and it's just you know it's turned out to be such a collaborative effort and I love how many different people are represented in the book like I didn't want a whole book on just my experience I I don't even think if I could do a a whole book on it because I actually find writing really hard too (laughs) because I'm a like I'm a talker and it's (laughs) hard putting words to you know paper and articulating it through that Kind of way, I don't know. It's like it's so hard.
0: <laughs> yeah, it'd be a challenge.
1: <laughs> um, yeah, it, it was. It was really difficult. It was really difficult, and it was, you know, put together in a in 2020, which was such a challenging year. Um, but it's done, and it's yeah, it's. I don't know. It's. And it's out. I think. Yeah, it's just what I needed when, like. I, you know, when I did start seeing a doctor for the first time in in year nine or 10, like if I had this book, then I think my diagnosis wouldn't have taken 12 years, you know. Um, And someone from my high school who, yeah, teachers there like hit me up and was like, we we, will stock the book in the library. And I was just like, oh my God, like if I had that in my school library when I was, you know, fifteen that's that's a game changer. game changer so like yeah yeah and that just made me so happy and excited um so yeah I just want it to be that book that really helps I guess not only people who are seeking a diagnosis but those who have just been diagnosed and they don't know what's next those people who um you know have been diagnosed for a really long time and may still not be across everything. Um, And also the way in which I wrote it, like I really want it to be a book that you can pass on to people who don't have endo, but they want to kind of find out more because if you hand them, you know, like a research paper or a a medical book, a medical journal, like it's so overwhelming reading all of that stuff and trying to break it down. So I've tried to really simplify everything. Um, There's really cute pictures in there. I did remember
0: seeing the pictures about nugs and I was like, love that.
1: <laughs> yes, there's pictures of chicken nuggets. There's pictures of um, heat bags in the shape of cats because I'm a crazy cat lady, but for heat <laughs> bags. <laughs> um, yeah, I just wanted it to be such an easy, accessible thing for people. So, yeah, I just can't believe that it's happened and it's out and, you know.
0: No, <laughs> yeah, and I remember um, as well... I feel like a stalker, but, like, I remember you sharing on your stories, somebody um, had, like, the foreword or something and it said, like, for 15-year-old Bridget. Yeah. And, like, I just think of all the other 15-year-olds who are going to be impacted positively because of this. So very exciting.
1: Yeah, I hope so. It's just the kind of book I envision. I get so many messages from people who don't have endo, um, but they're like, hey, Bridge, my friend, my best friend or my sister, my girlfriend, whatever, they just got diagnosed with endo and I want to put together, you know, a little um, care package, like what do you recommend I put in it? And, you know, I always will say a heat bag, um, some tea and, uh, like, I'd always say, you know, if you can afford it, like go get like Beating Endo or something like that. But this book, I like I had in mind, like, this is the kind of book I would add to a care package for someone who's just been diagnosed or who's looking for a diagnosis Um, because it, I mean, it looks really cute. It's like colorful and stuff, but it's just that, yeah, totally vibe. Um, But it is just that perfect um, starting point, you know, and I think it will help people. I hope it gets people on the right track and, everyone's got a different you know journey everyone's fighting a different fight we all have different symptoms and different life circumstances but I think this would be just a really good little um building block for you to go off on whatever path it is that you need to go because yeah not everyone it's not a
0: one-size-fits-all um approach all too well (laughs) Mm. what was the hardest chapter for you to write Oh man. Um all of them. <laughs> you know, it was so hard all overall.
1: <laughs> yeah. It, it, well, it was really hard. I think honestly, I think the hardest chapters to write were the chapters um kind that, that that were breaking down endo and how to get diagnosed and all of that, because there is so much incorrect information out there. And I I still am terrified that there's something in there that well, I mean, you know, you just mentioned before about the um that report that's found endo in the spleen, you know, at the time of writing this in the book, it says endo has been found in every major organ minus the spleen. But, you know, now it's been found in the spleen. So like, It's already gone to, go to every... print. It's too late, people. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah I'm going to have to
1: like run into bookstores and just correct it. Cross out like, spleen. <laughs> I lied. It's everywhere. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I think it was just a really, um, I don't want to say daunting, but there was a lot of pressure just to get the info right Um, because it is it's so important to put the right information out there so you know I was doing so much research and referring to so many different sources but you do come across so many conflicting sources and like when you do jump into that rabbit hole on on the internet about endo it's overwhelming and you're like god what am I meant to like kind of refer to you know so I think those chapters were the hardest because I just had to really make sure they were right and factual. Um, and, yeah, you just, don't, you just don't want to put out something that's um, not correct. <laughs>
0: like, yeah, it's like, you know, you're putting all that pressure on you but you want to do justice to your community that you've built and share something that they'd be proud of as well. Yeah, totally. What do you want to see change in the gynecological health space? I know we've talked on so many different things today, but, you know, I'm sure there's lots of changes you'd like to see happen, but what's one thing you'd like to see change? Well, I think, <laughs> what, <laughs> I
1: think what I'd think what i really like to see is um, endometriosis stepping out of just being confined to being a gynecological. Wait, am I saying that right? Oh my god, did I say it wrong? I think I gynecological, said it wrong. it's a bit of a tongue <laughs> twister. <laughs> gynecological, did I say yeah. it right then? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I think it needs to step out of that space because it is a whole body thing, and I think it's been you know that's what's restricted people from getting the right treatment, and that's also what's restricted medical professionals as well from spreading the right info and having the right education because we're just we're pigeonholing it you know we talk about this in music a lot and pigeonholing an artist to one genre or style and how it's quite damaging to do Mm -hmm. that and I think the same goes for endo you can't pigeonhole it into a kind of like a subspecialty or whatever it is. Like it can't just be into one specialty. It needs to be its own sector yeah. where you have people who are knowledgeable with the GI tract or the diaphragm or the pelvic floor and you need this cross-collaboration. There needs to be more people stepping in. Um, we can't just leave it to gynecologists because not all of them have the sufficient training and the fellowships and the scope of practice to perform complex cases and you know it's really hard when people can't access the right treatment because of where they live or what they can afford um, we just just there just needs to be like I don't have the full answer but that needs to change like I think we need to start there. Um, and recognizing it as a whole body disease because that is factually what it is um and
0: yeah (laughs) I don't know what else to say other than that like I think that's that's perfect it's a hundred percent true it needs you can't just go and see that general gynecologist because you know they might have no idea about endo and you're already on the back foot and you know, we do need to start treating it as more than just those painful periods and you go and see the gynae and get it sorted. Um, it needs its own focus for sure.
1: Yeah, it really does. And it's and it's hard because, you know, like I feel when we talk about gynecologists, we make them out to be the bad guy. Um, but I don't think it's like, it's... Um, an issue that goes beyond them as well it's the what they're you know what they can access what training they can access um I think you know even understaffing as well like there just needs to be more medical professionals that just specialize
0: in endo. Bridget is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners today?
1: Um I think oh golly Well, thanks for listening. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Number one. I think number one, um, thanks for coming. Uh, I just hope that you feel empowered with, um, you know, making the best decision for your body and what you need in terms of your um, chronic condition and just to utilise all the resources like the Quendo, you know, Member Hub is amazing um, with all of the blog posts and the toolkit and the app and all of that. and. Just utilize what's out there, and if you have questions, don't be afraid to ask, but also know that you do deserve the best care and um, you you need to keep fighting for yourself I suppose so if that's anything
0: I can pass on and I
1: hopefully if you want to get my book I hope you um like it and I hope it can help you
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh I think how to endo is going to be a game changer like you said before I think it's going to help so many people so thank I you so much yeah <laughs> thanks for having me this is fun chat Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Let's Talk Period with Bridget Hoswaite. If you want more from Bridget, you can find her on Instagram at endogram or at Bridget Hussweight. You can also find her on weeknights doing good nights at Triple J. And if you want to buy How to Endo, a guide to surviving and thriving with endometriosis, it is out now at all good bookstores or you can also purchase it on the Quendo website. If you want to keep up to date with what we're up to, you can find us on Instagram too at letstalk.au. Let's Talk Period is an independent podcast produced by Quendo. So if you enjoyed this episode, we would love it if you could subscribe if you're listening on Apple or follow us if you're listening on Spotify. It would also really, really help us out if you could share this episode with a family member or a friend or even on your Instagram story. This helps us find new listeners and build our podcast community. Let's Talk Period is a production of Quendo, a non-for-profit organisation who supports anyone affected by endometriosis, adenomyosis, PCOS or infertility. Let's Talk Period is produced for educational purposes and the information, recommendations and topics talked about does not constitute medical advice or take into consideration your personal circumstances or medical history.